it's pretty easy to dismiss people who don't want to get a COVID-19 vaccination. Not so fast, says Jim Weiss. His company helps businesses deal with health issues such as vaccination hesitancy. It's not crazy for people to ask these questions and that's all they're doing. So let them ask and let's get them the answers and let them make their own, you know, grown up choices. Hi, I'm Irene Silber. This is one in a series of podcasts that are part of the Vanguard Vaccination Project. Today, the Vanguard Network's Ken Banta talks with Jim Weiss. Weiss is the founder of Real Chemistry, a health innovation company. Among other things, Weiss has worked with Pfizer on getting its COVID vaccine into sometimes reluctant arms. When you look at the situation today on vaccination in the U.S. at least, uh, on one hand, it would look like uh, a lot of the war has been uh, won. And on the other hand, uh, there's a lot of concern that it could slide backwards or is not fully accomplished. Uh, what do you think about the threat of vaccination hesitancy and resistance? And, and why is that important uh, to overcome? Well, I think, you know, it's not terribly different in my experience than what we experienced with flu uh, over the years. You know, I've been working in the flu vaccine space also, my, me and my team, for many years. So it's not like this is the first time we've seen vaccine, you know, questions, hesitancy. Uh, this has never been quite the matter of life and death in a global economy that, you know, flu creates, but there are a lot of commonalities. And at the end of the day, the concerns, the issues that are raised, obviously the noise on social media that confuses people and gets them to question things um, are similar and the strains are similar. So we actually have been applying a lot of the lessons we learned there to this in terms of how we're helping um, to communicate around this issue and to create greater vaccine confidence around COVID. What would you say to uh, business leaders like yourself uh, about why it is so important to address uh, hesitancy and resistance? Well, it's really important mainly because, you know, in business in particular, productivity is, is paramount. And, you know, there's nothing more important than your health. So if you have people who are sick and there are things that can help them, you know, avoid that readily and easily and relatively and expensively, you know, you should direct them to that. It, it's about providing appropriate information, education, to the extent you can mandate it, many are. Um, you see that happening more and more. I know in our situation, we're mandating it for anyone coming back to the office that they're vaccinated, uh, but we're not forcing everybody to come back. So if someone doesn't want to do it for religious reasons or medical reasons and they want to stay home and they can, they can work from home. So it's not ultimately an issue if they're following all the guidelines. So I think leaders, absolutely, it becomes imperative like it did with flu to make productivity higher, collaboration, integration, interaction, all of that cannot really happen unless you're healthy first. Tell us a little bit about what some of the, uh, the resistance uh, or hesitancy might be in some of these minority communities. And also, what do you do to overcome 
those concerns? It may not necessarily be factual. Perhaps it's also emotional. Well, I, I think it's it, it's actually factual. Uh, you know, we we definitely have a history that you know now obviously that factual leads to an emotional or you know sort of set mindset around healthcare vaccines in general. Given the history of um, the black community and you know medical experimentation going back to Tuskegee, but there were other situations. And there's also the issues of very well-documented mothers of color that have a higher rate of infant mortality or infant uh, morbidity. And that's well-proven and well-shown. So there's just a general sense that if I go enter the healthcare system in any way, uh, and this is also true for, you know, the Hispanic populations too, where they might be questioning whether or not they would be registering somehow for uh, possible documentation, you know, if they were undocumented. So that's, I know, a big issue in California, for example, in Texas and a few other states where that's more predominant. Um, and in the Black community, I think they uh, had been you know, subjected to some situations and and just had that natural hesitancy, as I said, and you've got to meet this audience where they are. And it's not about celebrities. It's not about even the most noteworthy people. I think it's seeing real people uh-huh. um, going in and, and going through a positive experience that that is what is helping and will continue to help like it always does in all these situations. Coming back again to kind of practical matters for for CEOs and leaders, you've watched the you've worked with hundreds of companies and you've seen all the different uh, uh, credible and maybe not so credible uh, elements within a corporation. Generally, what would you think is a, a good route to follow uh, in terms of uh, mobilizing a campaign uh, in an organization? Is it uh, really through the top leaders themselves, for example, the head of commercial, the head of R and D, as a, as a kind of leader of the, of the charge, or is it something that you delegate to HR or even to communications? What, what have you seen work and what has not worked so well? I think the way we've been doing it, we've done a, a number of efforts and we've certainly counseled clients on, you know, anything from town halls, forums, expert discussions, you know, again, bringing out you know, the variety of people who can speak to the matter. But I think a good place to start, if they've got employee or business resource groups, whatever you call them, that's a good place to start the process. Now, sometimes that runs through HR and sometimes that runs through a different mechanism at the company. So again, the Black and Hispanic communities have experienced, I think, less equity relative to these issues. So the place you start within your company typically would be those organizations most impacted. So it's not top down, it's sort of bottom up. The way I like to do it is bottom up, top down, in the middle. Um, (laughs) You know, you kind of got to squeeze everybody and get everybody on board, moving in that direction consistently. And it can't be something that you just put on a website. Uh-huh, and you can't, uh-huh. you know, this stuff has to be lived on a daily basis. And we certainly see that the best programs are the ones that are consistent and driven 
from the bottom up, the top down, and and really adopted in the middle. Is there a is there a role for organizations, businesses to play in the communities where they operate, or is that best left to local communities to deal? Can can they can they help, or do they actually hinder things by getting involved? Well, I think you know businesses getting involved in their community is always helpful. I know when I was at Genentech, we were really involved closely with South San Francisco, mm-hmm. whether we were doing programs to support the local economy or recruiting growth. Obviously, it's important that there's terrific housing, schooling, all of that supports a business around itself. So, you know, being a great corporate citizen, and I like to talk about being a great health citizen. And that's, of course, what we're sort of preaching to our clients that the concept of health citizenship that, you know, there's nothing more important than your health. And that, of course, starts with prevention, you know, and wellness. And that is a vaccine-oriented story, which is the program you're so focused on. And if you can prevent it, then we don't have to spend all the time, money, and resources treating it or solving or fixing it. And so that's really a great way for the people of a business to get involved in their community to make their community healthier. So I actually think it's a really important thing and there needs to be a community relationship with um, businesses uh, more and more. Uh, Jim, what we've talked about has uh, seemed to apply especially to urban areas, large populations, but what about the parts of the country which are very small scale, perhaps rural, where businesses are small, uh, what can uh, organizations do in these much smaller environments? So, I mean, it's really what I was talking about before about meeting people where they are. And, you know, there's a few things I think businesses in the smaller towns and rural areas can do. Number one, it's getting access to broadband is really important. So they could get the information, the accurate information. So that's really important. Getting people connected with accurate, good information is critical. Bringing people together in dialogue is really important. And putting people forward who've had a good experience that they respect. So if it's a pastor or a a farmer or somebody who's to a place they can begin to accept it. It's not going to, you know, be something you can hammer on people. You're going to have to help bring them there. But I do think it's totally doable. And I always say, do it with food. Bring people together with amazing food. Everyone will come out for free food and a a nice afternoon and and learn something. So I really think those are the ways to do it. And one more way that I do think helps is on local television news is another way to, you know, work with the local TV news stations doing some public service or radio. Those are other, a couple of other really good ways to get that dialogue moving along in a consistent, positive manner. And again, putting real people who are in real situations, telling their story is, you know, almost never fails. And that's what works best, you know, talking in more human terms, bringing it to a level that people can understand versus pontificating from on high, 
as scientists or better than. That is a really important thing that we all have to, you know, kind of keep in mind when we're talking to people who ultimately at the core are probably not so much skeptical, but scared and, and concerned and maybe quite understandably. I mean, you know, it's not like all gene therapy has worked or that all drugs have worked. And so isn't, it's not crazy for people to ask these questions and that's all they're doing. So let them ask and let's get them the answers and let them make their own, you know, grown up choices. That's Jim Weiss, founder, chairman, and CEO of Real Chemistry, talking with the Vanguard Network's Ken Banta. Banta created Vanguard's vaccination project in partnership with Global Vaccination Advisors. Global Vaccination Advisors helps healthcare companies, employers, and governments maximize COVID-19 and other vaccinations globally by leveraging drivers and overcoming barriers to vaccination. Podcasts like this one are just one of the membership benefits of the Vanguard Network, which organizes events, publishes content, and connects C-suite leaders. Our mission is building high-performance leadership. If you'd like more information about us or more information about the vaccination campaign, please visit our website at thevanguardnetwork.com. I'm Irene Silver. Thanks for listening.